Welcome to Giant Cocktails, a podcast where two lifelong fans talk about the San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. Now, here are your hosts, Ben and Matthew Henry. Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails. I am Matthew Henry, your host and only host today, uh, flying solo and uh, trying to figure out how to do this whole podcast thing on my own. Yes, the salute, no, the solitudinous Matthew Henry. Uh, this is usually when Ben says, how are you doing, Ben? Or how you doing, Matthew? And I say, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. And, uh, I am doing well today. Uh, a little weirded out that, uh, Ben's not here, uh, but we're going to make it work. We're going to make it work. And, uh, uh, and so today, actually, I have a question for Ben. And, uh, Ben, my question for you today is... What's it like being my younger brother? That is a good question, Matthew. Frankly, it's not easy being your younger brother. First off, you're better looking, which really sucks. You are also smarter and funnier and just an all-around better man than I am. Athletically, you were always better than me. I mean, even your hamstrings were stronger. You know how hard it is to admit that? Oh, well, at least there's the booze. Cheers to the better, more handsome, older brother. What a load of crap. Wait, wait, what? Wait, what? Wait. What? Is this what you do when I'm not around? <laughs> I didn't know you were going to be here, man. This, I had to improvise. This is with like a- these, AI Ben. You have like some weird yeah, you get AI Ben to like play with you. Oh. My brother's not <laughs> hey, here. Hey, the wonders of technology, yeah. man. The my, wonders of technology. My mean brother never says anything nice about me. I'm going to uh, <laughs> Man. Well, I was going to say that, uh, you know, that you were on assignment or that uh, you were currently on the rocks. You know, you texted me earlier today that uh, you were sitting on a glacier and I was like, wow, that's like Ben on the rocks. We should create a cocktail about that, uh, you know, since you're on ice. Uh, yeah. So what? I thought you were out like enjoying Iceland and being like a tourist and all that. Well, I I am still in Iceland. Uh, I am currently sitting in my car once again, but this time in, I am in beautiful downtown Reykjavik. Uh, we have completed our round trip travels around uh, around the entire country. Uh, and now we are spending a few days here in Reykjavik. And, but one of the things that I did while I was up there on that glacier, Matthew, is I had an epiphany of, of how to fix my audio problems from, from last week. Because folks, I don't know if you heard, but there were some audio issues last week. (laughs) Oh, they heard. Oh, they heard. It was, (laughs) it was awful. Those of you who listened to that whole episode, thank you. I'm glad you were able to kind of just, uh, you know, put Ben's like, sound like he was from the bottom of a well Bot- yeah, uh, yeah. but uh yeah. yeah yeah so so we've got this figured out now yeah we got it figured out um the solution was actually re- really simple and i should have thought of it before um but we're using that solution now 
And uh, yeah, so you know, I thought I'd join you, but also because you know we were we were gonna you were gonna do this whole mailbag thing, and and there were all these questions that that I felt like I had to answer. But one of them was critical was like, should Ben stay in Iceland? And so I felt like I needed to participate in the answer to that. And then you know, also the team is doing really really well. So I wanted to help celebrate that. So I had to be here. I couldn't miss another. Uh, well, I couldn't miss any. I couldn't miss any episodes, man. I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. All right. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, yes. So we are going to talk about the win streak coming to an end, but also another really strong week. Uh, we are going to answer some mailbags because we had a few mailbag questions that uh, came our way. And then, uh, time permitting, we might even get into uh, how the Giants are constructing their their pitching staff. So those are the things we're talking about today. Uh, anyway, I, I was all prepared, but are are you are you taking over now? I'm taking over. I'm taking over. All right. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. Anyway, today is Sunday, June twenty fifth. As we record this podcast, the San Francisco Giants went. Five and two this week, winning three out of four against the lowly Padres. Bob, what are the Padres going to do? The Padres are going to Padre. And how, Bob? And we're going to talk about it. Also, the Giants then, unfortunately, in which was not a clash for first place, because the Nationals, you know, flew off to... Sorry, the, the 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 Arizona Diamondbacks. That's who I'm trying to talk about. The Arizona Diamondbacks flew off to uh, Washington D.C. to play a makeup game, and they won that game. And uh, and then therefore uh, were three and a half games ahead of the Giants before the series started. So not a battle for first place, but nonetheless a very important battle between the top two teams in the division. And the Giants took two out of three, demonstrating that they're the better team, and it's only a matter of time. And, uh, yeah, to bring their overall record to 44-34. and 34. Ten games over 500. And I see a note in here that somebody has written. It says, on pace to win 91 games, much like I predicted at the beginning of the season. Matthew. That's right. Because you were all like, oh, the Giants are going to suck. They didn't go do, you know, Farhan sucks. And, man, all this stuff. And, you know, you were like, what, like 82 wins or 78 wins? I don't even remember what, but I know it wasn't 91. And I was all like, 91, man, that's what they're going to win. And after 78 games, look at that. The Giants are on pace to win 91 games. I think I said so they were suck on that, Ben. <laughs> oh, I'm I. You know what? I will gladly suck on that. I will gladly suck on that. <laughs> and how often do you hear just a man just declare that? You know what, men? We should be more comfortable <laughs> declaring that in general. You know, I That's think right. we should all just. just I will suck on that. And I, you know, I'm I'm going to suck on that because it means my team is doing well. Right. That's the great thing about being a pessimist, Matthew, is, is that you're either right or good things are happening. And and right now, good things are happening. I, 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 I accept it. I'm enjoying it. And uh, and, and I'm and I'm happy for you to have this one moment. But my question for you is, Matthew, is this how you saw it going down? Like this is exactly how they were going to get to this point. 
Oh, of course. Yes, that they were going to have all these injuries and that they were going to bring up all these rookies and that the rookies were going to just you know drive us to success. That's exactly how I thought mm. it would work out. Ben. Well, that's 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 good. That's good because the way the way I saw it before I got angry at Farhan was, you know, Aaron Judge or maybe Correa or, you know, uh, and then it was like, OK, I guess I'll accept these guys, Haniger and Conforto. And, you know, maybe they'll muddle and put it all together. But the one thing this organization hasn't done and clearly can't do is put together a farm system to to bring up good young players. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I'm happy to say, Matthew, I was completely and totally wrong. Uh, apparently, Aaron Judge's toe has fallen off. I don't know. Yes. Reports are unclear. But, uh, you know, so we dodged that toe ligament. And yeah, well, let's let's put that in perspective. Michael Conforto has fifty five more at bats this year than Aaron Judge does. Wow, wow, wow! And you know, Conforto got a little cold, but he got cold while they were on a winning streak. And uh, you know, I, I heard the guys talking on the you know the radio and TV guys talking on the rap about if that's you know if there's a time to have a slump, it's when you're in a winning streak. And then he's start, right. he's starting to heat back up again. And, uh, yeah, hey, you know, um, but I, I, yes, I, I did not see the, I did not see that it was going to be the young guys pulling us back, but I will say I am very, very happy about that outcome because now I think we can finally see the future, you know, as we talked about last week, has the future arrived? I think it has. And that means it's time for us to talk about the Tyros. The Tyros. The Tyros. And, uh, you know what? The one I really want to call out here is is Mr. Casey Schmidt. Mr. has only walked once in his career. Um, Because I think, Matthew, you know, last week you made a joke about, about, I think, Luis Matos uh, uh, having a conversation with Casey Schmidt uh, and just telling him how easy it is to get walks you know, just like swing the bat less. And we're like, well, maybe they should get together and have a conversation. I think they did. (laughs) Apparently. Uh, Yes. That's all that Uh, needed to happen. Casey Schmidt got the memo this week. Uh, which Casey Schmidt has the weirdest line in the last seven days. If you look at his last seven games or days stats, he only has five at bats, five official at bats. He's (laughs) over five. Yeah. With a 444 on base percentage. Why? Because of four walks. He had more walks this week than any giant in the uh, on, on the roster, uh, which is crazy because going into the week, he had one walk on the season. How do you explain that, Ben? How do you explain that? Uh, uh, I'm just going to take another drink of my drink here. I, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. I, I mean, I have a couple ideas. I have a couple ideas. He's a really smart and intelligent baseball player, and he has made an adjustment to the to the adjustment that the league made to him. That's one explanation. Correct. The second explanation is uh, Gabe Kapler and his coaching staff are really good at their jobs, and they've worked with him to help him get to this point. Uh, and my third explanation is the Luis Matos and he, they had the talk 
And I'm going to go with option number three. I think yeah. they had the talk. Yeah, they had the talk. They had the it. talk. Yeah. Matos just said, hey, you know, it's not so bad. And the fact that he doesn't speak any English, and uh, and I'm assuming Casey Schmidt doesn't speak much Spanish, it must have been an interesting conversation. <laughs> I'm sure that Luis sat down and just spoke completely in Spanish, and Casey just <laughs> nodded the whole time, and then that was it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yeah. So Casey Schmidt has, uh, and and this, those walks contributed greatly to to the Giants winning. And so, uh, you know, great to see Casey Schmidt, you know, expanding his game, get, having having more success just through walking. Like he again, he didn't get a hit. He was over five yeah. uh, with four with four walks. So, uh, but you would consider that a successful week, uh, considering those walks came at really crucial times. So good, good for Casey. Uh, Blake Sable, another uh, Tyro, uh, actually had a pretty good week. Batted three oh eight for the week with a three seventy five on base. On Sunday though, he had a total rookie brain fart. Uh-huh. He had a Blake and, Sable moment. Uh, ran into the last out of the eighth inning while they were trying to come back. Uh, you know, so you, know, you hate to see that, but uh, has been one of the better hitters on the Giants this week. Uh, so uh, good to see that. And then uh, I wanted to introduce kind of a new segment to this. And uh, uh, I wanted to introduce a who's hot and who's not. Uh, because I think sometimes it's fun to kind of go back and look over the last seven days to see, you know, who was the uh, who were the players that were really driving this 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 last week, and maybe who were the ones that the Giants won in in spite of, and uh, who's hot is another Tyro, Patrick Bailey. Uh, Patrick batted 400 for the week with a 409 on base and a 550 slugging. Uh, definitely contributed. Uh, hit a home run, three RBIs. Uh, was uh, you know one of the better hitters for the Giants this week. Uh, and then, uh, but who's not? Surprisingly, Tyro Estrada. If you look at his numbers for the week, uh, not good, Ben. Not good. Uh, yeah. Hit, uh, in 20 at bats, he had two hits in 20 at bats for a cool 100 batting average, a 182 on base, and a 150 slugging. Uh, just not, not, uh, not a good week for Tyro, and uh, hopefully, you know, he will uh, rebound from this week. He's feeling snubbed after getting uh, not moving on to the second round of the All Star balloting. Yeah, that must that's, be it. That that's must what, be that's it. what it is. Yeah. Anyway, Matthew, it is time for the trivia question. All right. Well, the trivia question, and this could be an easy one because the answer to this was thrown around a lot during uh, the week, but the Giants had their a 10-game win streak ended uh, in the, you know, when they lost to the Padres in the last game of their, their four-game series. And it got me thinking, you know, what is the longest winning streak in Giants history. And I I typed this into our show notes uh, a good uh, three or four days ago. Like I was, like right after, before they lost that, uh, that game to the Padres, this was going to be the trivia question. If you're an avid follower of the Giants and you read all of the articles out there, you might know the answer to this question. Uh, but that is the question today. What is the longest winning streak in Giants history. It is 162. They did it in 2021. 
yeah. Okay. Well, we will see how wrong Ben is at the end of this episode. Okay, fine. It was in 1993 when they won 103 in a row. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that's the one. It was one of those two. Enough with the banter. Let's talk cocktails. Thank you, Bob. Yes, uh, it is time to talk cocktails. And uh, frankly, in the show notes, I have me going first because I thought I was going solo. I don't remember whose turn it is, Ben. So I'm, I'm, Bob, hit me. Do it. What are you drinking, Matthew? Well, today, Bob, I am drinking a cocktail called the Toasted Ginger Godfather. So the Godfather uh, cocktail is a, is an old classic that consists of, it's pretty straightforward, two ounces of blended scotch or bourbon and a quarter ounce of amaretto. And uh, when I was on, uh, you can actually listen back to our podcast uh, last week. Uh, we were talking about uh, Difford's uh, Guide uh, website, and I found a an alternative to that, uh, which is what I'm bringing to the show today. And so what does a toasted ginger godfather have? It has one ounce of rye whiskey, a hundred proof. I am drinking Rittenhouse's uh, Bottled and Bond, hundred proof rye whiskey. An ounce of bourbon. Uh, I'm drinking uh, the Elijah Craig, 94 proof. So this is uh, already getting to be kind of a boozy cocktail. But it doesn't stop there, Ben. Mm. Then I'm adding a third of an ounce of ginger liqueur and a third of an ounce of amaretto combined with two dashes of Angostura bitters. And you add all those ingredients into a mixing glass with ice, stir for a good 30 seconds to get it chilled and a little diluted, strain it into a rocks glass with a big chunk of ice, garnish it with a candied ginger, and there you have it, the toasted ginger godfather. So that is what I'm drinking today. What are you drinking, Ben? Well, thank you uh, for asking, Bob. That's very kind of you. Uh, you know, astute listeners will will recognize that I am probably not sitting in my car in downtown Reykjavik drinking a sidecar. Um, like last week, I have had uh, difficulty acquiring uh, booze here, but it's also probably not appropriate to drink alcohol in your car on the street in any country. But if I were to be drinking in my car on the street, I would be drinking a sidecar. And you can hear all about what I think of the sidecar by going back to last Thursday's episode, which was published on time this week because I scheduled it that way. Yes. Thank yes. you, Ben. For, That's the uh, real reason I showed up this week, Matthew, was because I, like, I don't know. I had this vision of you sitting in your closet talking into your microphone for an hour without ever hitting the record button i see i would never do that <laughs> you would never I, do that I, no i know <laughs> i just had to make sure that something like that wouldn't happen anyway what's in a listeners sidecar? listeners a, 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 listeners a, a little aside um we started this episode and went a good five minutes into it before I realized that I hadn't hit record. So uh, I deserve that little jab. Uh, you know, we've been doing this for two and a half years and um, I still haven't figured out this whole podcasting thing. So maybe one of these days. Anyway, continue. Anyway, continue. 
What's in a sidecar? Well, in this sidecar, I have two ounces of cognac. You can also use brandy. I have uh, one ounce of Cointreau or other any other orange liqueur would probably work in your case. I have one ounce of lemon juice, and then I have a lemon peel for garnish and sugar for the rim. And why does that matter? Well, it matters because you absolutely must sugar your rim for this cocktail. That's it. There is no debate. How do you do that? Well, you take a little bit of sugar, you put that into a, a f plate, flat plate, spread it around. Then you take a lemon wedge. You cut that perpendicular across the wedge. And then you take that slice and you put it around the rim of your coupe glass. And then you put that coupe glass upside down into the sugar. And you move it around a little bit to get it well coated in sugar. And then you pop it back up and you set it to the side while it sets. Then you take the rest of your ingredients, you mix them all together in a shaker, you shake them with ice until chilled, and then you double strain into your prepared glass, and then you garnish it with the lemon peel. And then you lick the rim aggressively as you enjoy the cocktail, as you do. Wink, wink. And that's what I'm drinking, Bob. A sidecar. Mmm. That's a tasty cocktail. It is, Bob. It is a tasty cocktail. Uh, hey, Bob. You know what else is tasty? Watching the Padres be the Padres. You know what I mean? And this was the year, Bob. They were supposed to be the kings but they're just the Padres. The Padres are gonna Padre. That's right, Bob. The Padres are gonna Padre. And, uh, and we got a good, good dose of that this week. It was a lot of fun to, well, I didn't get to watch it because the games were happening at two o'clock in the morning here. But as I was driving around Iceland, I would listen to the replays on the radio and it was a lot of fun to listen to those fools bumble around, those overpaid, overhyped, red, neon pink and neon green wearing second-rate, top-tier baseball team playing Padres. <sighs> it was a lot of fun. Yes. Watching those guys lose. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun watching it live. And you, you, I can't... When you see the Padres are going to Padre, we've been saying that a lot. <laughs> and it's almost been kind of like a running joke, right? Like, And, and you can't expect that the Padres are going to keep Padreing. You know, it's just one of those things that we, we keep throwing out there because it amuses us. But then you watch them play the Giants... And there are several instances where the Padres are indeed Padreing. <laughs> and, and what's interesting about that to me is that the national media just, they take a look at the two lineups and they keep choosing the Padres over the Giants without taking into account this important aspect of the Padres always Padreing. That's right. They forget. They're they forget they're the Padres. 
Yes, and so they just see Juan Soto and Manny Machado, Machado, and you know Juan and and Tatis Jr. and all these guys that, of course, they feel like that should be the better team. But then when you watch those players padreing, it becomes clear who the better team is. And let me give you some examples, Ben. All right, Hit me. game one, we we very beginning of the game. Fernando Tatis Jr. leads off with a double. Mm-hmm. All right, he's on second base. Everybody's There's no favorite outs. Padre. Yeah, everybody's favorite. He's Padre. like thumping his chest and doing his little thing with the dugout, and mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, here we go. Yep. And then for some reason, he decides that stealing third would be really a great idea. Well, it's his without right without taking into account that Patrick Bailey is the catcher. Uh, he doesn't know who that is. Right. I mean, he's he's Fernando Tatis Jr. He doesn't really pay attention Wait, to who the players are. Wait, the Giants are, right? have a catcher? I mean, right, exactly. So he tries to steal third. Bailey throws him out. Now, the umpire in this case is also assuming that Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to be safe and calls him such. And then our our review thinks, no, 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 no. You got to look at that again. And he was clearly out. Well, he, yeah, the glove and, was between uh, the foot and the and the bag. Yes, exactly. You know, yeah. makes it makes it really easy to uh, to screw that one up, I guess. So right off the bat, we're seeing the Padres padreing. Uh, so that was uh, one example. A second example was in game. Uh, actually, I don't even remember what game it is. They start to blow. I say game three here, but I'm not entirely con- convinced mm. that that was game mm. three. But at one point, Machado oh, everybody's was other on second Padre. base. Yeah. Yes. And there was a deep fly ball to left field and decides that he's going to tag uh, from, and tag up and, and take third on a fly ball to left. <laughs> And the ball, the the ball gets thrown in. Uh, Crawford uh, cuts it off, wheels around, and throws it to third. And Machado's out by, you know, in baseball terms, a mile. Hey, Matthew. And uh, yes. Can I can I ask a a question in Manny Machado's defense? Sure. Is it is it by any chance that they change the names of left field and right field? No. So no, left field is not. still the field that's closest to second and third. Exactly. Right, the one that right. he can see it all right there. <laughs> the, the shortest throw. Right, right. Okay. You know, to, okay. to third base. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and, nope, uh, nope. and And Manny's so, an you know, again, he's thrown out, right? So mm-hmm. end of end of that scoring threat. Uh, then in game three, we also had Gary Sanchez, mm-hmm. possible Giants catcher, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was – the Giants signed him at the beginning of the year. He had a minor league contract with an opt-out. Uh, never got called up to the major league clubs because maybe because he was hitting like a buck ten in AAA or something yep. ridiculous like that. Uh, and you know this was his revenge series. He actually did hit a home run in this game, uh, but or in this series. But uh, you know takes a throw from Tatis Jr. with Sable trying to score from second. It was a line drive to, to right field. Sable's trying to score from second, and Tatis throws a bullet. To home at 99 miles per hour. That's how good this throw was. But Sanchez sets up with his left foot in foul territory, blocking the plate. Yep. And uh, and so on review, the Giants, you know, uh, he was out by like a good 
you know. Oh yeah, he was feet. totally out. Uh, but the Giants, uh, you know, uh, they they challenged the play, saying that uh, the Posey. Well, it's not the Buster Posey rule, but we're going to call it that for right now. The Posey rule was violated. That he set up, he blocked the path of the runner, and uh, the guys in New York agreed. And so again, another example of the Padres padreing that uh, Gary Sanders, if he sets up in fair territory and gives Sable a direct path to the plate, then Sable's out by a good amount. Uh, instead, uh, Sable scores, and then that'll actually opens the door to two more runs that inning because uh, that would have been the third out, and uh, the Giants uh, pull away yeah. again. So right. And I, I think this this one is a good example of as to why why this is a padre padreing moment. This rule has has been controversial for a long time, and, and I recognize there's a lot of fans who don't like this rule. Um, possibly even people who listen to this show. I don't miss home plate collisions. I always thought they were a weird part of the game. Like why does why does it become a contact sport only in that one moment? Like you can't do that to a second baseman. Why can you do it to the catcher? Never made sense to me. Yeah. I'm glad it's gone, but I get that people miss it and people that don't like, don't, you know, uh, I also recognize that people don't understand the rule. But this year, I think the rule explanation of how it's being enforced has been become crystal clear, right? And they have been given a guideline, which is if you set up with both of your feet in fair territory, then to, to receive the ball, then you are giving the runner a lane to the plate you will not be called for a violation. And, and, and he didn't do it. Right. I mean, it's, it's black and white, right? Like it's a very clear thing. Like if you do, if you have both of your feet inside of the line, you're not going to be in violation of the rule. And he didn't do it. And that's what Kapler was saying. Right. I mean, Kapler said after the, after the game, he was like, you know, that's our understanding of the rule. And and we looked at it. It was a clear violation of that. And so we said, hey, let's take a shot on getting it reviewed. And it went their way. And, uh, you know, these are all simple and basic things. And it's just like, I think one of the things about the Padres is that everybody just assumes that they're going to win because they're talented baseball players, but they're talented baseball players who do stupid things. Funny especially when you're on the opposing team, <laughs> but stupid. And, uh, you know, hey. And, you know, this was what, Gary Sanchez's uh, revenge game against the Giants? How many teams does yes. he have revenge games against this year, Matthew? <laughs> well, yeah. He's got, what, the, is it the Yankees or the Mets? I can't remember. He well, the Mets else. for sure. Right? I think he's on his fourth team. I, you know, the Giants weren't his first team, were they? I think they were. were I think they? they were his first team. Were they his first team? They were the first right. team to sign him. I think they were. So this right, is well, his third team, and which which speaks volumes about the Padres catcher situation, uh, you know, because you know, no other team was willing to take a take a flyer on him until the Padres you know signed him. Right. Well, no, they're they're uh, they're offensively they've been a mess, and he's actually been good good for them offensively. He has been, and Gary Sanchez right. is a offensive catcher, right? I mean, yeah. and and we saw it again. Defense is not his forte, and he, he may have cost the the Padres a win there with yeah. that uh, with that 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 ruling. All right, the other thing about the Padres is their relief pitchers could not throw strikes, and it didn't matter who was in there, whether it was Hater or you know any of their other relievers. Game on the line, late in the game, they could not 
throw strikes. Uh, Casey Schmidt, we already talked about getting, you know, he got like two walks in two days, you know, in crucial situations because of that. And, uh, you know, again, just an example of the Padres padring, right? You just, you know, you, you expect uh, your relief pitchers to close the door on a team late in the game and they just couldn't do it. The Padres are still the Padres. And then there's the D-bags. I mean, Diamondbacks. Uh Uh, Giants, their two wins were comeback wins, you know, down early. And and coming back in the middle of the game or late in the game. And uh, what's interesting about that is the Giants lead the majors in runs scored in the seventh inning and beyond. I don't know about you, but when we're only with – we're within a, you know, a two-run home run or whatever of of a team – I'm feeling pretty confident, and I was reflecting on that today, thinking the reason I feel confident is because the team has come back, especially during this win streak, time and time again to uh, to overtake teams late in games. And, uh, and I feel like this can be attributed to a couple of things. One is that the Giants have a deep lineup and a bench that complements each other, right? So people hate this whole, like, oh, platooning thing and all that. But the Giants have a roster that is set up for when a starting pitcher uh, leaves and a bullpen comes in. And, you know, and inevitably what happens is that a team will, will switch arms. So their starter pitcher was a right-handed starter. They're going to bring in a lefty reliever probably because the Giants have already set up their lineup to to face a right-handed uh, pitcher. Uh, but then the Giants do this whole line change where they will bring in their guys who are now sitting on the bench that are uh, that are you know right-handed hitters to face left-handers like Austin Slater and you know and the such and and inevitably the Giants uh, puts put runs on the board, you know, late in games because they have a bench that is made to counteract those types of moves, uh, which I think you know is 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 really like one of the cornerstones of the Giants that you know I think fans sometimes hate because they don't for some reason fans have decided they don't like this whole platooning thing. Uh, but what the Giants have done is, especially since they brought up guys like Matos and Schmidt and Bailey. You know, Bailey's a switch hitter, so he's 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 hitting against anyone. Uh, Matos is hitting against both righties and lefties. We're not necessarily platooning guys anymore, but we have a bench that can now counteract uh, a change in the arms of a pitcher, and that has been. Um, you know, a really important during this streak. The other thing that I think is really important is that the Giants ha- are a patient team that makes starters work. And, you know, in, in most teams, their starting pitching is maybe their strength, right? Their bullpen is probably not the strength of a team. Uh, oftentimes, you're relying on your starters to go deep so that you're not having to get into your third reliever or whatever. The Giants are really good at making starters throw lots of pitches and inevitably leaving the game early, like in the fifth or sixth inning. Uh, So that gives the Giants plenty of opportunities to go up against the team's lesser lesser pitchers, right? And uh, uh, most teams' bullpens are a liability, and the Giants are equipped to take advantage of that. Uh, and so I think we're seeing that now. We're seeing that whole play out over this last uh, couple of weeks. 
Yeah, well, I mean, yes. I, I think all of that is correct. I mean, the, the Giants have an excellent line, uh, sorry, bench that can be used for, as you called it, the line changes, which was a hallmark feature of the 2021 team, right? The ability right. to go to the bench and find the right guy and, and in the right situation, but not just the right guy, but maybe the right two or three guys to counteract the relief pitching choices that the other team is making, right? And a huge part of that is because each relief pitcher has to finish an inning or face three batters in a you know three batters before they can come out of the game, which allows you to make multiple moves uh, to get the ideal matchup against that particular pitcher. And and I understand that people don't like the platoon thing because it makes it hard to have an established star player. And I want established star players, but at the same time, right? Like it, it makes it it makes your team better. Right. And and it's still just because you have a few guys that can fit into those spots doesn't mean that you're not going to have star players on the team that you don't like. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, a, a perfect case of this is, is both, you know, J.D. Davis and Slater. Right. Our guys recently who have come off the bench and uh, and made huge impacts in games, um, you know, after in games they didn't start in. Uh, and yes, this team is just a monster at working working the pitch count, right? Up and down the lineup. Even Casey Schmidt now. Even Casey Schmidt. Casey Schmidt got the, you know, is he, you know, he was probably like, everybody else is doing it. I might as well do it too. Right. And Kapler, uh, in his post-game comments, uh, really went out of his way to, uh, particularly when Matos, especially early in the, when he came up, was taking a lot of walks, was uh, really complimentary of the fact that you know taking a walk is really important in late games when you're just get, you're trying to get runners on base to score runs and it's really great yeah I think you're you're you were right on the money when you said Schmidt is a really smart baseball player and I think he is you know learning that that is okay to take a walk rather right. than making something happen with with the bat because right. now. I think I think you know young players. They're probably always the best player on their team, you know, throughout the most of their career. Yep. And then they get to the majors, and there's a whole lineup of guys that are just as good as them, if not better. And you know that might take a little bit of an adjustment to understand that I don't need to be the guy. I just need to keep the line moving and get on base, and that's exactly what the Giants do. Yeah, I think guys who are are stars, especially who move through the the you know even the minor leagues quickly, those guys were probably never. It was never hard for them, right? But then a major, you get to major league baseball, and unless you're like Mike Trout, you know, or Shohei Otani, it's it's hard for everybody, and you gotta yeah. you gotta fill your role, and they do it. They do that. They do that really well. Yes. All right. Well, so in anticipation of you not joining us this week. Hey, man. We reached keep, out on Twitter. You keep bringing that up. I'm really sorry I showed up. Well, yeah, I, I had plans, Ben. <laughs> I had plans. And one of those plans was uh, to let our listeners weigh in and doing our very first mailbag episode. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we reached out on Twitter and Instagram and said, hey, do you got any questions? And we, we did get a few. And uh, some I said they could be they could be uh, cocktail related. 
They could be baseball related. They could be like Ben's personal life related. What? And sadly, no one asked about your personal <laughs> life. So, um, well, thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, but I was, I was, I was ready to, with AI Ben to make some things. Oh, up. But, uh, yeah, that would have been fun. And, instead, we will, uh, we'll, we'll keep with the real questions. And so, the first question I think is one that I'm going to answer because it was specific to Sonoma County. Mm. Uh, I live in Sonoma County, and Hamburglar underscore seven on Instagram said asked said that they had really enjoyed they're new to Sonoma County and had really enjoyed Bird in the Bottle which I reference reference a few times on our show uh, as a bar and asked if I had any recommendations for other uh, restaurants and bars to 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 frequent in Sonoma County and mm-hmm. so there are a few that I would definitely recommend first of all Bird in the Bottle on 4th Street is a small restaurant, uh, specializes in like uh, kind of almost like tapas, tapas kind of like eating or you have, you know, kind of uh, you could share your, your food with the people that you're with and all that. But they also have a menu uh, of, uh, that rotates quarterly. So they have some really great specialty cocktails that are there all the time. And then they have ones that are seasonal, and their bartenders are—they're given a spirit uh, every every you know every three months, and asked to come up with a cocktail for that spirit. And they do an excellent job. They're kind of known for their shrubs, so a lot of them will do some of the, the which is a you know vinegar you know drinking vinegar, mm-hmm. and and uh, they balance that out with sweetness and the you know all that, and and just really really great. Uh, plus, they're really nice guys. And so I love sitting at the bar at the Bird in the Bottle and talking with Topher and Riley and you know some of the others and really learning. About, oh, yeah, you know, Topher and Riley, good guys. Yeah, good guys. Uh, but the Bird in the Bottle is also a oh, – it's a – there are – it's a stark family restaurant. So the Stark family here in Sonoma County uh, owns several restaurants and there are lots of options for you. And each one has uh, a bar that uh, you know has their own specialty cocktails. Uh, another one maybe is Grossman's, which is down on Old Railroad, uh, Old Railroad Square. Uh, and then Stark's uh, Steak and Seafood, which is their high-end steakhouse, also has outstanding uh, cocktails as well. Uh, another one that I would recommend is uh, the Matheson in Healdsburg has a rooftop bar called the Roof 106, and uh, they have some excellent specialty cocktails. Uh, there's a new restaurant in also in Old Railroad, Railroad Square called 1910, and that's the number 19 followed by the, the word 10, T-E-N. And it's actually, uh, it just opened up a couple weeks ago, and uh, the owners of Kin and Kin Smoke in Windsor and Hillsburg uh, are responsible for 1910, and they have some really nice uh, specialty cocktails on their menu. You have to go and try it out. It's not on their website yet. Uh, I spoke to their owner, uh, Ben. I haven't told you this, but he's invited us to come down and try some of their cocktails, so we, we may have to do that. Exactly. Uh, and the other one that I would uh, recommend uh, is the Beer Baron uh, in downtown Santa Rosa. First of all, they have an excellent whiskey uh, wall 
that if you're into whiskey and bourbon and all that, they've got all sorts of those, uh, but also have some really great specialty cocktails. Uh, they're a small chain. They've got one over in Ben's Neck of the Woods as well, uh, but one in Santa Rosa that I, I really enjoy. Uh, so the Beer Baron downtown Santa Rosa, also a good option. So yes. that is what I would recommend in Sonoma County. There's a Beer Baron in Pleasanton, and there is a Beer Baron in... Uh... Livermore, and there's also a beer baron in Oakland, Oakland, in yes. the Rockridge area. Yep. So uh, some great options there. So the next mailbag question, Ben, is uh, from at Go Fishing Cali on uh, on Twitter, and he asks, "Is Bob the third brother? <laughs> Sometimes Bob and Matthew sound very similar." And and I will I will agree with you that we do sound a little similar. I think it's because I've channeled my inner Bob at mm. times. But if you want to get behind the scenes, Bob is a guy that we found on Fiverr, which is a uh, a website where you can have people you know uh, create things for you. Um, and so Bob is we just found him. And said, hey, will you record our intro and record all these fun sayings? And the guy did. And, uh, you know, we've ran with that. So and and he doesn't even know that he's named Bob. Um, and we've named him affectionately Bob. Bob actually is a name that um, is a joke around my family. So when my kids ask me like somebody's name and I don't know, I've always used the name Bob. And so our very first episode when we introduced Bob, that was the first name that came uh, up to me when I when I named him. And so Bob has been around uh, for three seasons now, and uh, we love Bob. Uh, but he yeah. is not related to, to either of us. No, Bob is is he's uh, he he's a he's a real person. He's a real thing that exists. His voice is provided by a professional. His 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 thoughts or his words are, are usually written by Matthew, although I provide some of them. But really, his spirit—he's like the spirit of giant cocktails, and a real just hard ass, also. Kind of a pain in my behind. I'm, you know, just, yeah. Uh, I don't get paid enough for this. Yeah, that's because you don't exist, dude. You are a fictional <laughs> character. Oh, he is not a fictional. He is real. Uh, yeah, it's true. He's real. And He's Bob real could be me. the third brother. He really could. He could be the third brother. Let's just call him that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love you, Bob. We love All right. you. So the next question... I think was answered by you, but uh, there. Oh, and I'm remembering. I'm forgetting who on Twitter actually first suggested. It might have been Scott. I can't remember. Uh, apologies for that. But someone said that they recognized that the Giants tend to play well when you're out of the country. Yes. And so you uh, you yourself asked, should I stay in Iceland for the good of the team? And I, for one, am 100 percent on board with you <laughs> staying in Iceland. You know what? Iceland is a beautiful country. Um, and it is, um, I mean, and when I say beautiful, it's an understatement. Like everywhere you turn in this country is just jaw dropping views and landscapes. And I mean, it is, it is a once in a lifetime adventure to kind of come here and drive around the country. That being said, man, I have not seen 
a dark sky in two weeks now. The sun has not gone down in two weeks. It is cold and rainy, even though it is the height of summer. Man, I cannot stay here. I cannot stay here. Don't make, I don't, I need to go, I need to go home. I need to see stars. And I, I need to watch the Giants at the normal Giants time. And I, I can't do it. They lost twice. They lost twice while I was gone. Isn't that enough? Can I come home, please? Can I come no, home? No, you cannot. Uh, <laughs> oh. Uh, okay, I'll come stay. On. Come on, Ben. How, 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 how good of a fan are you? Come on. <sighs> Look, if they win the World Series, then I will recognize it was for the greater good. But if they don't, I'm going to be pissed. (laughs) You know how cold it's going to be in October? Oh, God. (laughs) It starts All right, all right. We we might let you come home. But but I I personally feel like you should stay. I I just... um, is it? Po- I don't want to do that to your kids. So maybe your kids could come home and you just. Stay. Uh, well, yeah. No, I mean they would definitely. They would be like, "No, see ya. We're out of here, dude." Um. Uh. Look, the Giants lost twice this last week. I. I think. I think it was just coincidence. It has nothing to do with me. Uh. As much as I would like it to have anything to do with me, how the Giants perform has nothing to do with me. I, I can't even guess how they're going to do accurately. Uh, you know, I'm coming home. The Giants are still going to be good. God, I hope that's true. God, I hope that's true. (laughs) All right, I hope that's true. Hope I didn't mess that one up. All right. So the last question is actually a pretty good one. I'm curious to hear hear your thought. Mm -hmm. So our friend Scott, at Scott Bauman, SF. Bowman? Bauman? Bauman? B-A-U-G-H-M-A-N. SF. It's, it's, asked, it's Bachman. Bachman. Yes, yes. Yeah. 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 That's probably it. Yeah. Uh, says to pick one former and one current Giants players player you'd want to grab a drink with. He said he'd go with Michael Morse and John Brebia. Both seem like fun hangs, but Morse would drink you under the table. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. Ben? Who are you drinking with? One current and one former giant. Wow. Well, so first of all, I really like those choices. John Brebia. You know, I I feel like, Matthew, we don't hear enough from John Brebia. We don't get enough interviews. We don't after the game from, you know, on on the radio or on TV. Uh, We don't get enough. We don't get enough quotes from writers from John Brebia. Um, we need more John Brebbia because he had a couple quotes earlier on in the season and I listened to those and I said to myself, hmm, that sounds like a very cerebral but very strange man. Um, so, <laughs> I, so I don't know that I would classify him as a fun hang as so much as a, wow, I don't know what this guy's going to say next kind of hang. Um... Michael Morse, yes, absolutely. Does seem like a carouser, doesn't he? Yeah, and you always want to have a friend like that. Um, the thing is, nobody drinks me under the table. So, you know, because I'm that guy. Uh, so I like those. Those are good picks. Those are good picks. Um, but I, my personal picks are, for a former Giant, I've got to go with Brian Wilson. Because I don't know if there is any other Giant in the history of Giants 
who if you went out with an, on a night of drinking that you were guaranteed to have a legendary tale at the end of that night, um, then Brian Wilson, you know, like he's, he's like, you know, if you're going out for a night of drinking with Brian Wilson, well, I hope you have a will ready. And, uh, and, and, and even though you knew that your life was probably going to be at risk, you'd go anyway. Brian Wilson. So, so that's my, that's my, that's Brian Wilson. Uh, that's my ex giant. My current giant would be Jock Peterson. Hmm. You know, because when you look at Jock, I mean, Jock, he just, he's like the, he's the guy, right? He's the guy that can drink 10 beers and then play a full round of, of, you know, back and forth beer pong and then do a five establishment bar crawl. Right. And he could just keep going. That's Jock Peterson. Or so you think. And so I thought until I saw some Instagram photos by like uh, the, of the Giants players when they all had like their family days at Disneyland when they had an off day in L.A. recently. And there was this photo of Jock with his family and he was like a total Disney dad. Oh, total suburban dad. Yeah. yeah. And so what I think is, is that like with Jock, it'd be like, oh, hey, Ben and Jock got together. They're going to go out for a night of drinking. Uh. And as soon as we were out of eyesight, I would turn to Jock and I would say, hey, dude, you know what? Um, can I take a rain check? I'm just going to go home and have a cocktail and, and put on my uh, my pajamas and get in bed. And he'd probably like be like, yeah, man, good call. I got to go home and tuck the kids in. And it would be cool and it'd be fine and we would never tell anybody. Right? So there you go. <laughs> Brian Wilson for the man I used to be and Jock Peterson for the man I am today. Those are my two choices. Well, those are both excellent choices. I, I, I have Not surprising that you would pick Brian Wilson considering you have a cat named Wilson. <laughs> that's correct. You know, so so that's, uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. I also agree with... With Scott, that Michael Morris and John Brebbia, two really good uh, selections. Yes. Brebbia, I mean, Brebbia is the guy that, you know, starts off clean shaven and then doesn't shave for the rest of the, of the season. So you know dude. that there's some some weird stuff going on. You feel like he would just have some stories to yeah. tell. Weird dude. And and and, and I, I, I'm there for it. So I, I agree. Uh, since you chose Jock and Scott chose John Brebbia, I think I would choose J.D. Davis uh, as a current uh, giant. Uh, one of the, there was a recent thing going on, on social media where there's you know the the social media people have these little tiny mics, and they you know it's like a tiny mic thing where they go yeah, up and, and they ask, ask people you a for like questions. Mm-hmm. And so they had asked uh, like what J.D. Davis would be an all star at if he wasn't uh, good at baseball, mm. and a lot of them mentioned that he would be a comedian. So apparently he's a really funny guy. And uh, so I feel like a couple drinks into J.D. Davis and we'd be having a good time. So I I choose J.D. Davis as my current. Now, past one, oh, that was really hard for me. I was, I've been thinking about this for the good part of, you know, three or five days maybe since it was asked. Right up until the time we started recording, I was still not sure. Like I was, you know, because I named a cocktail after Will Clark. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. like, I mean, there are things where I like, God, that would be fun. But when it comes down to it, I would really want to have a drink and maybe something else. <laughs> I'm just saying uh-huh. 
with Tim Lincecum. Yeah. All right, uh, Tim, I'm just feeling like he would pull something else out besides a cocktail, and it would be a really good evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I I think it would be fun to kind of dig into the mind of Tim Lincecum and just, you know, have a drink and maybe a little bud and just kind of see what was up, you know, nice. with, with Tim. Nice. So that would be my choice there. Yeah. Those are solid picks. Those are solid picks. Yeah, I want to give an honorary mention to Rod Beck. I think Rod yes. Beck is he a was good one, one that I was like because yeah. I feel like closers, you know, closers are gonna, especially in those the the the, the Brian Wilson Rod Beck vein, like you're yeah. you're gonna get some interesting yeah. nights for yeah. sure. Agreed, agreed. Solid picks all and around. I, I, right, and the, the problem with our current team is that there were so many like young guys that I was like, well, they wouldn't really be fun. They wouldn't even know what a cocktail was. Like I mean, it was yeah. just you know yeah. so. So it was, uh, yeah, the, the the pickings were slim. Yeah, it would be bad to say I'm going to take out Luis Matos and just drink that 21-year-old or under the table, right? Yeah. That's right. Right. We're going to end up in the ER with a stomach getting pumped. That's that's how that's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Not, that's, it's, it's not not a good pick. Not a good look. Not yeah, a good look. I feel like I feel like he would have a good. He would be down with a good pisco sour, though. I feel like that. Would yeah, be yeah. You know, one. I, I, I'd be like, I'd look at him. I'd be like, total. Like, I'd let him have half of one, and then I'd say, "You've had enough," and then I'd drive him home. Because like, he's got a game tomorrow. He's got a game tomorrow. You yes. know what I mean? Like, yeah, we got to take care of him. Yeah, right. he's not even pitching, but he's got to be at the stadium. It's just like you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not even playing. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, we are getting near the end of our hour here, so I think it's time to answer the trivia question. Oh, that's and right. And if you recall, the Giants went streaking this last uh, week and a half, had a 10-game win streak. They did. The question was, what is the longest win streak in Giants history? That's right. And the, I said 100- The longest... and. Yeah, what did you say? 162 in uh, 2021. Right. Oh, you were close. You were close. Uh, the actual streak, in, longest streak in Giants history, is 26 games Wow. in 1916, wow. which is also the major league record. Oh, so the Giants right. have the major league record of most consecutive wins of 26 games. Uh, and, uh, if you go back to the San Francisco era, then the Giants win streak of is 14, which was set in 1965. So, uh, the Giants, you know, had a little ways to go, you know, for, uh, the longest win streak in franchise history, which also happened. Can you imagine Ben playing a whole month without losing a game? I can imagine. That's basically what a 26 game win streak is. Yeah, I can imagine it. I I don't think it, we will ever see it happen um, for any team. I mean, I know a few teams have gotten close, like the A's did a couple decades ago, and the the Guardians did it recently. Uh, but yeah, having your team do it, no, I I I I can imagine it, but I don't think we'll see it. A fourteen though, fourteen that see that feels doable. Fourteen feels doable. We got it. Let's let's start another one. Let's start another one. Absolutely. Yes, you're right. The Guardians in uh, 2017 won 22 games in a row, which is just crazy. And the A's in 2002 won 20 games. Uh, So yeah. So but 26, man. That's that's a that's a long winning streak. All right. Well, looking ahead to next week, 
what are you drinking, Ben? Well, Matthew, I am going to be drinking a monkey gland. Mm, monkey gland. Oh, they're so good. They're so good. Um, yeah. Mm, just a, just you know, perfect amount of 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 firmness yet tenderness yet uh you know um what is that what is it what, what is it they, I, I forget there's a there's a there's a term for like when you bite into something i can't remember it's like something how they anyway you you'll all won't want to miss it the monkey gland all right i am drinking a frisco sour uh, mainly because I feel like, you know, we should, you know, there's a cocktail named after San Francisco. And no, not that any of us locals would say the word Frisco, <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, we are bringing a Frisco sour, which uh, I think it was Scott listener was like, wow, you guys like cocktails with a lot of stuff. This one's got a lot of stuff. Uh, so stay tuned for that on Thursday. Think- we'll, uh, we'll break out. I the think Frisco Sour and the Monkey Gland. I think I think he was implying that we like cocktails with too much stuff. Maybe he was. Maybe he was implying. But we're going to either way, he's learned how the Henrys respond. <laughs> That's right. Right. Oh, you thought that was a lot. Here's one with eight <laughs> ingredients. All right. All right. So, well, you know, and after over 200 cocktails, Scott, you know, we got to start digging deeper, man. All right. The simple cocktails are uh, are fewer and far between at this point. We did find one, the sidecar, baby. That's right. That's right. And there are probably still others, but we'll, we'll figure it out. All right. So uh, looking forward to next week, though, we got uh, we're going to Toronto, Ben, uh, to Canada. Oh. And I was going to say we get to see our old friend Brandon Belt. But he's Except hurt. Brandon is being Brandon by being on the IF. Of course he is. <laughs> yes. Which let's let's talk about that just briefly. OK, Brandon Belt struggled at the beginning of the season, then caught fire was hearing MVP chants in Toronto and then uh, and then got hurt. How Brandon Belt is that? Like, I mean, you know, that's, yeah, you can't get more Brandon Belt than that. I'm glad glad to know the man hasn't changed. Uh, Also, also, (laughs) he he lit the whole baseball world on fire uh, by making a a typical Brandon Belt joke uh, about how he's uh, better than Shohei Otani. And, uh, you know, half the people were like, I can't believe the, the, the writer who, who published this thought he was making a joke, which of course she knew. Uh, and then half the people were like, I can't believe he thinks that. And that just goes to show you that, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people are, it goes to show you if you spend your entire career on the West coast that nobody Nobody on the East coast knows who knows who you are or what. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we got the Toronto Blue Jays for two game, three games, and then we go to the New York Mets uh, for three games. Ooh, want to beat those guys real bad? Yes, yes, me too. So we will be back next Sunday to talk about those uh, those six games, uh, and uh, you know, so that's that. Um, I think we're gonna wrap this up, folks. Uh, don't forget to follow us on social media at giant cocktails on twitter and instagram 
And don't forget to rate us or subscribe if you haven't done so already on your podcast listener of choice. Uh, Yeah, and rate us and tell a friend. It would be great if you could uh, let somebody know how much fun you have listening to our podcast. Retweet retweet some tweets. Yeah, retweet some tweets and, uh, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Retweet some sweets. That's how you can support. Retweet some sweets. Yes. Uh, so anyway, Ben, it was great, uh, to surprisingly see you, uh, today while you were on the rocks, sitting on a glacier in Reykjavik, Iceland. Uh, sure. And, uh, next week you'll be back in your closet with some, you know, maybe hopefully some really good audio. That's right. That's right. Well, I can't make any promises about that. I'm still Ben after all. <laughs> That's right. We'll find a way to screw it up. But- But anyway, Ben, it was good chatting with you. Safe travels back. We'll see you next week. Until then, cheers, my friend. Cheers, Matthew. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time, bottoms up. (laughs) 